This morning, we are going to be continuing a series that Pastor John kicked us off on, and that series is called Unshaken. And the series is focusing on a piece of Hebrew poetry uh, that creates this metaphor of God being likened to a shepherd. And we have this picture up here to to show that. Um, I love this picture. When you... When you guys look at this picture, what kind, of, what kind of thoughts, what kind of feelings are evoked when you see this? Peace. Peace. Yeah. Anything else? Protection. What was it? Protection. Oh, protection. Yeah. Good. Huh? Oh, cute. Cute. <laughs> it's a cute little rack of lamb there. I'm sorry. All the vegetarians hate me now. I'm sorry. I love you guys. <laughs> um, yeah, so kind of the, the words that come to my mind are like gentleness, simplicity. Yeah. How about the next picture? Can we go to the next picture that we have? Oh, that's a cool one. So John showed something similar to this the first week of the series. And he, he did that to speak about how this, the subject of this poem that we're looking through today uh, is the Lord. This God who created everything. And uh, if you just, we could just take a moment to look at that. I mean, the, the expansiveness of that. It's incredible. There's a tradition that God spoke this into existence. That with just the mere sound of his voice, it created creative repercussions and reverberated throughout our existence. Our God created with just a word. It's incredible. Can we go back to the next, or to the previous one? Yeah. And so what I'm interested in is the difference between those two pictures. You think there'd be uh, just, they'd be worlds apart, right? This God that is huge and powerful and enormous and, and speaks creatively. And then this God that we're talking about today, that's a humble shepherd. It's pretty amazing. And so what we're going to look at today is the scripture that we've been talking about, Psalm 23, and how our poet tries to build bridges between the two. That God doesn't lose any of his power, that God is creative and incredible and beyond words, but that also our God is humble. So I want to read that for us this morning. If you have your Bibles, you can... Turn with me to Psalm 23. If you don't, uh, you can listen with me. It says this. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod 
and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. And surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's beautiful. The subject of this poem, the Lord. This, this God that is creative, like we talked about, is in other places described as the deliverer of an entire nation from slavery. Think about that. That in, the, in our day today, the complexities of injustices around slavery, if overnight slavery was abolished in a nation, God did that. It's pretty incredible. This Lord, he's described as a king, not just a king among kings, but a king above every king, above every authority. This is the, the subject of our poem this morning, the Lord. And our poet describes him as a caring, humble shepherd. Instead of painting a picture of a God in a throne room with white, beautiful robes, thunderbolts in hand, he paints this picture of pastures and sheep, and there's a shepherd, probably a little smelly, in this industry of little rank. And if you remember Pastor John mentioning briefly that at this time, a lot of the shepherds, they were hired hands. Or even parents would send their kids off to do the shepherding. It wasn't a position of rank. It wasn't a position of power, of authority. The people who were respected were the owners of the sheep, not those who cared for them. And yet, in our poem, this God is described not as the owner of, of thousands of sheep, but the one who cares for each and every one of them. This is the humility of the God that we're talking about this morning. And our poet takes it even a step further, and he says, not just the Lord, our shepherd, but the Lord is my shepherd. He makes it personal, and so he creates this picture for us of a shepherd and his sheep, and the intimate relationship between those two. The shepherd that leads sheep to green pastures, that provides a place of rest, of belonging, of food, that he provides water to drink, that he revives and rejuvenates, that he is faithful to lead his sheep along the right paths. This is the shepherd that we're talking about this morning. And all of these things, all of these characteristics, they paint a picture for us of a shepherd who is good at his job. He provides, he protects, he tends to his sheep with compassion. But then, verse 4 happens. And our poet throws us a curveball. And so he creates this picture up until this point of everything I've just said, of this shepherd who provides and cares and is compassionate and this intimate relationship between the shepherd and the sheep. And then all of a sudden the scene changes and the spotlight is on the sheep and the shepherd is out of sight. 
And it says, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Or you could read this as, I walk through the darkest valley, or through total darkness, or even a darkness that resembles the inside of a coffin. It's a picture of the sheep shrouded in darkness. And I wonder if some of us know what that's like this morning. To know the overwhelming sense of fear, of confusion, of sadness, of depression, of suffering, that the inside of a coffin sounds sweeter than what you're living currently. Have you been there? And so, in this scene, this sheep, this little sheep, covered in darkness, surrounded in darkness, releases a faint voice, and he says this, I will fear no evil. I will not fear any obstacle, I will not fear any danger, any opposition, and even though I stand in the midst of the darkness, I will not let fear overcome me. It's a bold claim when you're surrounded by darkness. To choose not to let the fear overcome you and to say that I will choose to respect and revere my shepherd more than the fear and darkness that surrounds me. How is he able to do that? Or she? To overcome his or her fear in this way. It's the conviction that God is with him. So if we look at the next line, even though I walk through the shadow of the valley of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Yeah. For you are with me. So up until this point, our poet has been talking about God. The Lord is the shepherd. He does this and he does that. And then all of a sudden, from the midst of this darkness, he turns into a prayer. And he addresses God directly and says, you are with me. I know you are with me. I wonder if any of you here know or have experienced your prayer life increase in passion and fervency in those times of darkness. When you fall on your face and you cry out to God, help me. This is what's happening for the shepherd, or for the sheep, for the poet here. And the beauty of this simple prayer, you are with me, is that he recalls the right question, and the question is who? So many times when we're going through difficulties, we want to ask why. 
Why is this happening? We want to ask what? What am I going to do? Or where? Where will I go now? But our poet asks the question, who? Who is with me? He remembers this good shepherd that he described earlier, the shepherd who cares for his sheep, who provides green pastures and water and protection and belonging. He remembers the good shepherd and the green pastures, and he pulls that reality into his present darkness. And he says, I will not fear because my shepherd is the same as he was in the green pastures, and he is here with me, even in the midst of the darkness. I will not fear, for you are with me. God's presence and fear become incompatible. But it also says something about who our God is. That he's not a God who's removed from suffering. That he doesn't stand far off from it. He doesn't try and go around it. But he partners with us in going straight through it. This is really the message of the cross. If you're not familiar with the Christian story, uh, the pieces of wood up here were a tool for execution. A tool used on a man named Jesus who suffered with us and suffered for us. The good shepherd. And in that story, we're reminded that we worship a God who's not unfamiliar with our suffering. Who's with us, with us through it all. We remember his promises that is repeated throughout the Old Testament in this book that I will never leave you or forsake you. But I don't know if you guys are like me, but sometimes in the midst of the darkness, I need reminders that he's here. <laughs> and so, in this world of, sh- of sheep and shepherds, those reminders are called a rod and a staff. I stole this from Pastor John's office. So uh, if you were here a few weeks ago, John brought this out. And this is a shepherding tool. I think he said it was from Kenya. Um, And this was a tool used to guide, or still used, to guide, um, to lead, to protect sheep from wild animals, um, and even thieves. And with just a, a little tap on a sheep's side, it was a reminder that their shepherd is behind them, uh, leading them, guiding them, 
protecting men. And sometimes all, all we need is a little tap on the side, you know? John made the statement that uh, this was an, ex- an extension of the shepherd. You know, it, it lengthened the shepherd's reach. It was an extension of the shepherd's presence. And I think just like sheep, we need God's presence to reach out to us in those times of darkness and in the the green pastures. And so for us today, hopefully God doesn't hit you with a stick. Um, If it produces a positive result, then that's good, I guess. Um, For us today, the rod and the staff, they may take different shapes. Um, It may be scripture. And this is kind of what we're doing this morning, is we're looking at scripture. We're remembering what God has said and what he's done so that we can anticipate what God will do and will say. Maybe the rod and the staff that you need this morning is prayer. That conversations with God happen where listening is just as important as speaking. Or, of course, in this context, community. That maybe community is a rod and a staff for us this morning. That supports us, that tells us the truth, and that holds us in time of need. Or maybe mentors can be a rod and a staff for us. That faithfully teach us and offer support and guidance. Pastor Jonathan mentioned a little bit of what I do. Um, Spending time with people who have developmental or intellectual disabilities can be a rod and a staff for us. That they can teach us maybe about vulnerability, about acceptance, about grace. All of these things are extensions of the shepherd's presence, reminding us that he is here and bringing us comfort in the darkest valley. One uh, writer, about 150 years after Jesus was around, he commented on this and he said, isn't it good news that God makes us lie down in the green pastures, but has us walk through the dark valleys. Isn't that good news? That our place of rest and lying down don't happen in the darkness, but God gives us grace and sustains us to journey through it. The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Audrey, I'd like to invite you and your team up.
So I, I want to take some time in our service this morning to receive and respond from the Good Shepherd. That more than anything uh, this morning, that you would know that God is with you, that he knows you, that he's journeying through whatever you're going through this morning, that he is just as present, just as real, just as unchanging in the green pastures as he is in the dark valleys. That this is the God we're remembering this morning.